in this world. Amen? But there is ugliness. There is good. There is good in this world. But there's bad. There is love. There is love in this world, but there is hate. And through it all, God has so loved the world. The good, the bad, and the ugly. There is nothing that you have ever done that would impede the love that God has for you. If you are here this morning and you are struggling with self-worth, with identity in Christ, with just trying to figure out, am I forgivable? Am I lovable? The answer to all of that is yes. For God so loved the world. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Let us pray. Father God, you have a message for each one of us here today, myself included. You have spoken to my heart as you led me to prepare for this morning. You have spoken in the hearts of our worship team as you led them to prepare. You have led the hearts of those who are here this morning to be here for a reason. And it may be a reason none of us understands or is planning for, but yet you are here. We thank you for being here. And we give you permission, Lord, to do as you will. In your name I do pray. Amen. We have just returned from a glorious 14-day Caribbean cruise. Some say Caribbean, but I learned the right way of saying it is Caribbean. Caribbean cruise. Only 40 minutes of rain for the entire 14-day sun, surf, and food. Man, did I, did I eat a lot. I mean, I ate so much, folks. It was so bad. Like, I don't know what's keeping my pants together this morning. I, I had to lay on the bed, and my wife had to pull these pants up my legs. She got the old coat hanger trick, you know, into a little eye hole, and she's pulling up my pants, and she's trying to do the forehands, trying to do up the button. I, Nico, I... You could get blinded. This button may pop off at any moment. I don't know what's keeping this on, okay? I tell you. I came back. <laughs> I came back from the cruise, and I visited my oncologist, my doctor. And he said to me, he says, dude, you're the only cancer patient I've ever treated that's actually gained weight during his treatment. <laughs> so, I mean, it was good. And not one vegetable on my plate. Not one. Good holiday. You know, we witnessed some amazing vistas on our journey. Colored water, golden sunrises, amber sunsets, colorful birds and animals. You know, God's creation is it's just simply amazing. It's beautiful. It's good. We also met some incredible people. Staff on the ship, guests on the ship. People with interesting lives and, and winsome attitudes. God blessed us with some new friends that we made on that cruise. They were all good. But at the same time, at the same time, sadly, we can bear witness to the underbelly of the world, the, the darker, the uglier sides of this world and some of the people whom inhabit it. 
On one hand, it's easy to see why God so loved this world so much. But on the other hand, as we bear witness to hate and war and, and poverty and disease and death, it can become a little harder to fathom how God can still love the world. Yet he does. God is in love with this world and all of his creation, every part of it. I'm going to read a, a portion of scripture, John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Later on in the service, we'll go line by line, but I want to read the scripture to you. John 1, 43, verses 43 to 51. It says this, The next day, Jesus purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. As we take turns this summer discussing various individuals from the Bible, Pastor Mike last week spoke on the little-known character Archippus, or Archie, as Pastor Mike called him, who led us to discover the importance of finishing well. This week, I would have us focus on Nathaniel, one of the earliest disciples of Jesus. And, and like Archie, very little is known about Nathaniel. The scriptures remain quite silent about him. We know he also went by the name Bartholomew. He's only mentioned twice in the whole of the New Testament. Here in the passage I just read, John chapter 1, and again, near the end of the same gospel, in chapter John 21. That's where, where Nathaniel, or we'll call him Nate from now on, where, where Nate was named as one of the disciples who returned to Galilee and went fishing with Peter after the resurrection of Jesus. While we know very little about him, we do know Nate was with Jesus from the beginning, and he was with Jesus to the very end of Jesus' ministry. Again, like Archie, Nate knew how to finish well, which is important for Nate because he didn't start out so good. Nate was an intolerant person. If you hate the word intolerant, or if you hate the word tolerant, you're going to hate the sermon because I use the word a lot. So you can shut down if you want. <laughs> Our scripture this morning is often referred to as Jesus' public ministry or as Jesus' calling of Philip and Nathaniel. 
Jesus first called the brothers Peter and Andrew to be his disciples. Remember that story? He says, come and I will make you fishers of men. And then Jesus called the other brothers, uh, James and John, whom uh, were the sons of Zebedee, and he called them the sons of thunder. Until finally, Jesus called Philip. John 1.43. Jesus found Philip, and Jesus said to him, follow me. Jesus never said much when he called his early disciples. He simply gave the invitation to follow him. If you're here today, and you've been wondering what a Christian is, or, or how does one become a Christian, here's your answer. You accept his invitation to follow him. That's it. Jesus has been calling and continues to call all people to follow him. His invitation is for everyone. Yes, it's even for you. Why is it for you? Because God loves the world. Verse 44. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. This seems like an, an innocuous verse, but it isn't. In fact, it's a, it's a key verse. It's a key verse. Bethesda was a small town in Galilee, but it was a clean, prosperous town. It was a, a hub of business transactions, a, a crossroad, crossroad for travelers, and a safe haven for the weary. Now remember this point. We'll come back to this in a moment. But let's go to verse 45, where Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So immediately after accepting Jesus' invitation to follow him, an excited Philip ran to find his best friend, Nate, to share this good news. He had just met the one all of Scripture has been talking about, prophesying about, the Messiah, the Savior, the person who is coming to save them all. And his name is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip knew how life-changing this event was on his life, and so he quickly wanted his best friend, Nate, to experience the same thing. He wanted Nate to follow Jesus. This is our, our chief duty as believers, brothers and sisters. If you follow Jesus, your primary goal ought to be sharing the good news with other people. The good news that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and he invites us to follow him. That's our chief duty. That's what Philip did. He got it early on. Nate's response, though, left something to be desired. Verse 46. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nate was a person of intolerance. See, Nazareth, the town where Jesus grew up and apprenticed as a, as a carpenter alongside his earthly father, Joseph, it was a rough town. Its culture was unrefined. The people uneducated. No one went through Nazareth unless you needed to go through Nazareth. It wasn't a, a byway on the highway. It had a reputation of being a rough neighborhood. Nothing of any value ever came out 
of Nazareth. Now, Nate came from a rival town, six kilometers away from Nazareth called Cana. That's the town where Jesus performs his first miracle, changing the water into wine at a wedding. Well, Canaanites and Nazarenes did not get along. Kind of like how Calgarians and Edmontonians don't get along. One of them was the prosperous town. The other was the dirty, ugly town. I'll let you two, I'll let you guys decide which. They had a strong dislike for each other. They were rivals. If they had football teams, you know, they would always be stealing the other team's mascot, that kind of stuff. Which is why, when told where Jesus came from, Nate's response was one of intolerance. Because nothing good can come out of Nazareth. That dirty, ugly, unrefined town, especially the Messiah. You see, Nate, Nate was a student of Scripture. He was a searcher for the true knowledge of God. He had strong spiritual interests. He was faithful, diligent, and honest in his devotion to the word of God and to God himself, the creator of all heaven and all earth. But Nate was also human. He had certain prejudices, if you will. He hated Nazarenes. Now, now he could have said something along the line of, no, 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 Philip, I don't think you guys have the right guy. And then quoted Philip, Micah 5.2, which writes that the Messiah has to come out of Bethlehem. Or he could have said, no, no, Philip, Scripture tells me that the Messiah is identified with Jerusalem. And that's where he's going to reign. And those things are absolutely true. And they're also true about Jesus. Nate just didn't know that at that time. Instead, the depth of his intolerance came through the words that he spoke to his friend Philip. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's how you read that line. It's not like, oh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? No, it's, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was a sentence of intolerance. Nate's hatred of Nazareth and all Nazarenes was the fuel for his intolerance. Nate's fear, misunderstanding, and lack of empathy was the fuel for his hatred. So let me ask you, who do you fear? Who do you misunderstand? Who do you have a lack of empathy for? How does God feel? Well, God loves the world. He doesn't fear. He doesn't misunderstand. He doesn't lack empathy for anyone. God loves the world. The entire world. And everybody who lives in it. Exodus 22, 21. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner. James 2, 1. My friends, as believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, you must never treat people in different ways according to their outward appearance. 1 Samuel 16, 7. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. God loves the world. You've got to get over that. God loves the world. Everyone. Intolerance presents itself outwardly with violence and inwardly 
with our thoughts and deeds. Intolerance is why we mistreat foreigners. Intolerance is why we treat other people differently. Intolerance is why we judge people's motives based upon their appearances or social standing. I met someone on the cruise. We were in the elevator. We just walked in the middle of a conversation. Jerry and I, innocent as lambs, walk into the elevator. People are talking, and this is what we hear. We hear one couple say to the other couple, yeah, I see, and that's why people like the Mexicans can't win the lottery. They just don't know how to say All right then. Fear, misunderstanding, a lack of understanding, and a lack of empathy are the fuel for intolerance. So I ask again, who are you intolerant of? God? He loves everyone. He loves the entire world. See, it was inconceivable to Nate that the Messiah would come out of a tacky place like Nazareth. It was an uncultured place, full of evil, corruption, populated with sinful people. He did not anticipate that anything good could come out of Edmonton. I mean Nazareth. I'm Nazareth, sorry. Jeez. Oh. Told you don't say that. Okay. Um, and you know, Nate wasn't the first believer, and he won't be the last believer to give in to the evil of intolerance. You know, after witnessing the transfiguration of Jesus, Jesus being taken up, James and John decided that maybe they should call fire down from heaven to destroy a Samaritan village that would not welcome Jesus. This was an act of violence that they were willing to commit in the name of Jesus based on a tolerance of belief. You see, while Judeans hated Galileans and Galileans hated Nazarenes, Everybody hated Samaritans. Like how we all hate Toronto, right? Yeah. They were the visible minority, if you will, of Jesus' day. Look, Samaritans, not Torinians. Yeah. They wanted nothing to do with Jesus. They had their own religion, their own temple, their own priests. Jesus rebuked James and John for even thinking of causing them harm. Because Jesus loves the Samaritans. He loves the world. In the book of Jonah, we see Jonah's intolerance against the Ninevites. God wanted to give this people group, who were the epitome of evil, by the way, they sacrificed and ate babies, for goodness sakes. But God wanted to give them a second chance so they could repent and believe. But Jonah's intolerance of those people was so large that he chose to run away from God and his calling upon his life. When he finally does obey God, after God forces his hand, Jonah was so upset about God's forgiveness of these people that he wanted to curl up and die. Jonah rather die, would have rather died than see the Ninevites accept Jesus as their God. Intolerance is the ugly part of this world that we live in. It's the underbelly, if you will, of this world. Much of the nation of Israel rejected and still rejects their own Messiah because of intolerance. In John chapter 4, verse 41, after Jesus had made some very startling claims about being the Savior, others said, this? This is the Christ? Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? 
See, no one believed anything or anyone good could come from Galilee, let alone Nazareth. They could not even, like, nobody, nothing good could ever come. He was, Jesus was a Galilean. He was from Nazareth. He was a tradesman, not a scholar. He, he didn't come from a religious um, establishment. His message was offensive to the people's ears. They refused to hear him because of their cultural and religious biases. So they were rendered deaf and mute to the truth, all because of intolerance. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, they missed the message of the gospel because of intolerance. Intolerance impedes the delivery of the gospel. I'm going to say that again. Intolerance impedes the delivery of the gospel. If you don't like someone, you're never going to share the good news with them. But not Philip. He met Jesus, he accepted Jesus' invitation, and he followed Jesus. And now Philip wanted his buddy Nate to do the same thing. Only Nate's intolerance got in the way. Until. Until Nate went and saw. Verse 46. Philip said to him, Nathaniel, just come and see. Forget about Nazareth. Just, just come and see. So Nathaniel, Nate, accepted his friend's invitation to see for himself if what he had heard and been taught about Nazarenes were true. So yeah, he went and he met with Jesus. You see, this is how we combat intolerance. Confront it with facts. Intolerance is based on feelings and misinformation. It's subjective. It does not necessarily reflect reality. And the remedy, the remedy for intolerance is an honest look at objective reality. Come and see. You don't like a certain people group? Come and see. Spend time with them. You don't like a certain person? Come and see. Spend time with them. Because God loves them. Because God loves the world. God loves the world that he sent his one and only son. God, who is good, created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. And he saw that it was all good. But then sin entered creation through the disobedience of his created humanity and stained all that God had made. Now at this point, God could have become intolerant. And to some aspects, he kind of did when he sent the flood. But he still had some tolerance left and he saved the family, Noah's family. Now, God could have turned his back on all of creation, scrapped the whole planet, and started again. He could have left us all to be stuck in our own quagmire of sin, destined to die an eternal death, and he could have just took off somewhere else. But he didn't. God didn't. Because God is not a God of intolerance. He is a God of love. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, but instead have eternal life. So Nate went. Fortunately, his intolerant mind 
was not as powerful as his seeking heart. So when Nate meets Jesus for the first time, listen to what Jesus said about him. In verse 47, he calls Nate a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Well, let's, be, let's be clear. Jesus is not letting Nate off the hook for his intolerance. Instead, Jesus is declaring that despite, despite Nate's intolerance, he can declare that there's nothing false in him. He calls it as he sees it. Nate is honest. See, Nate chose to, to get up, to follow Philip, and see for himself the possible error in his thinking and belief. He didn't stay stuck in his intolerant ways. Ways that were probably taught to him by his forefathers. Learned behavior based upon passed down ignorance of truth. See, Nate, he was pure of heart, but he was human. He had sinful faults. His mind was tainted by a degree of intolerance, but his heart was not poisoned by deceit. He was no hypocrite. His love for God and his desire to see the Messiah were genuine. His heart was sincere. Because his heart was sincere and his faith was real, Nate was able to overcome his intolerance. And so can we. So can we. We mistreat people because of who they are, because of, of where they come from, from what sex they were born. Our actions effectively impede the message of grace, mercy, and forgiveness to those who need it. In the process, we spiritually deaden ourselves, drifting slowly away from fellowship with God because of our hard hearts and intolerant actions, thoughts, and words. I've often said before that if anybody harmed one of my children, that I'd want to take their life. I'd want to take them out. Because whoever harms a child is nothing but a low life, no good beatnik. Those are probably the kindest words I could say from the pulpit. Um, hard, the harshest words, I mean. And I meant that. I'm, I'd, I'd take them out. I don't care if I go to prison. If you harm my kid, I'm taking you out. And then a brother of mine, a Christian brother, in this fellowship, turned to me and said, but then you'd be robbing them of an opportunity to come to Christ. Bam! Right through my heart. Yeah, you're right. I would be. I need to be a little bit more tolerant. I, need, I can't impede the message of Jesus just because of someone's actions. A person will never become my best friend but if they, if they harm my child but they still deserve a chance to repent and come to Jesus and be forgiven. I mean, Nate lived in a society that was prejudicial by temperament. We're still like this today because we're sinful people. We make prejudicial statements. We, we tell prejudicial jokes and draw conclusions about individuals, classes of people, and whole societies. Nate, like, like the rest of us, he had this sinful tendency. And his intolerance caused him at first to be skeptical when Philip told him that the Messiah was a Nazarene. And if we are honest, if we are honest, aren't there times when we're skeptical? Skeptical, skeptical whether a certain person or people group deserve God's grace 
forgiveness, mercy. And maybe some people are here today thinking they don't deserve God's grace, forgiveness, and mercy because of what they have done. Well, intolerance on any level impedes the delivery of the gospel. And the delivery of the gospel, my brothers and sisters, is our assignment given to us by God who has rescued us from eternal death unto eternal life. So we are now called to do the same for others. Your intolerance, my intolerance, will impede the delivery of that life-saving message. How dare we, I say. Because God loves the world. He loves them all. Every single one of us. And I'm so thankful that he loves me. Because my past was rough. I'm sure there's many here who've had rough pasts, are currently living in some tough times. God loves you. God loves you, my brothers and my sisters. He loves the whole world. I'm going to ask the worship team to come now, please. Jesus told Nate in, in, in verse 48, Jesus said to Nate, he said, I saw you, Nate. I'm certain those three words, I saw you, cut Nate to the quick. It meant Jesus not only saw his location under the fig tree, but he saw Nate's heart and saw Nate's biases. And he saw Nate's intolerance. And that's all Nate needed to hear. He would clean up his act, work on changing his perception of Nazareth, and start living like a follower of Christ. He declares in verse 40, You, Jesus, you are the Son of God. He believed. Yeah, you, the guy from Nazareth, you are the Son of God. I believe that. You are the King of Israel. What a quick turnaround. Based upon his profession of faith, he desired to change his ways and to follow Jesus. A promise was then given to Nate. Verse 51. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, you, Nate, will see heaven open. You will see, you'll see the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. In other words, Nate, you will be there when I'm taken into glory. And you know what? Nate was. Nate was there. So Nate stands as proof that God can contain the most common people from the most insignificant places with intolerant hearts and change them and use them to his glory. So will you be like Nate? Jesus has seen you. Jesus has seen, seen me. How will we